Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, I, I've been. This has been in me for days and days and days. And if you've never preached, if you've never, if you've never experienced that, it's it's almost like uh, the only thing I know to to equate it to is is being when you get pregnant and uh, me and my wife have three kids and there are moments in the journey where you say I love this child but if somebody doesn't get this child out of my body it's going to be rough all around for everybody so this is one of those words that I've, I've needed, I've needed to, to, to get out for, for some time. When God speaks something to you, it, it, changes, it changes the way you sleep. It changes the way you, you function throughout the day. It, it weighs on you. And I, and I want to I get this out uh, to the house this morning. I'm going to just read one verse to you. Grab your Bible, uh, thumb over to the book of Amos. Yes, that is a real book in your Bible. The book of Amos. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, all those short books that we love when, hit our, when they hit our one-year Bible reading plan. Like, yes, I got this in three minutes. Obadiah's one chapter. The book of Amos, chapter number five, he's this prophet. And uh, I want you to hear just one, one, one verse. I'm reading out of the, the NIV Bible. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> That's an inside joke with our church. Amos chapter 5, verse 24. But let justice roll on like a river, and righteousness like a never-failing stream. Amen? Let justice roll on like a river, and righteousness like a never-failing stream. I, uh, for the last four weeks, we've been talking about specifically racism, right? Becoming an anti-racist church. We've been talking about racial injustice, okay? And did you enjoy our panel last week? Did Al McDuffie and Brandon McAlpine and Tom Wendon do a great job? But I... We've been talking about racial injustice specifically. And that is not the last time we will be talking about that. This can't be a hashtag. Do you hear that? I see, I see, and maybe I, maybe I shouldn't. I see people online that are, that are so woke right now that five minutes ago you didn't even know it was a thing. But you acting like you've been fighting the fight for 40 years and you're 19 years old and you're not going to win anybody with your snarky memes we got to have an informed adult conversation about this okay and so we've been talking about racial injustice but what i want to do today is i'm going to take that conversation one step higher and i'm going to talk about justice itself and the injustice itself. 
Does racial injustice play, is it included in that? Of course it is. But there's all types of injustice. That in my role, my job, and I want you to hear me, my job is to teach God's people, to disciple God's people how to think about these things rightly from the Word of God, not CNN or Fox News or Republican or Democrat. That's not what I'm called. You have to have, you have to think rightly about God and rightly about these issues. So when you are bombarded every day by social media and the news, you know how to properly parse through all of this stuff. Where do you land on this? They're both wrong because none of them are saying what God has said about it. Okay? We've got to think rightly. I have to, it's my job to disciple this church to think about things theologically okay we are in a season right now where God in the most beautiful way he is forming us into his image and that's a lot of times that's hard for Pentecostal people to swallow because we want God to touch us instead of God talk to us and I want God to touch us and I want to see the days where you're laid out in the floor and we got to carry you to the car. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It's going to freak you out. Don't work. We got the snakes in the back. We bring them out after service. That's a joke. That's a joke. I want God to touch us. But right now, God is talking to us. Are you with me? And I need a church that will say, speak, Lord, because your servants are listening. So I'm going to talk about, I'm going to teach this morning on justice. And I've, I've had more than one person say this to me since we've started talking about racism and anti-racism. They've said this to me multiple times. Well, you need to stay out of it and just preach the gospel. And if you think that the gospel doesn't include justice for the oppressed... You have no understanding of what the gospel is at all. If you think the gospel is just, you don't have to go to hell now, that is not the gospel at all. Go ahead and kill that ideology up front. So now you can ask questions the whole time. What did he mean by that? You know, it's interesting because as Christians, we... We like to think that we would be courageous and brave in the face of great evil. We like to think that if we lived in Nazi Germany in the 30s, it would be us, me and Diedrich Bonhoeffer, looking at the Third Reich. And calling it out. We like to think that we would be that brave. And your moment to be brave is right now. We like, did you know? Did you know there's entire sub-departments of theology that study Nazi theology? I can recommend books. 
What that means is, is there were entire Christian movements that developed a theology that fueled what Hitler was doing as being from God. There were pastors and church leaders that stood up and hailed Hitler because they believed that he had been sent by God to make Germany great again. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say, don't start all that. <laughs> Simmer down. That's not a shot at your boys. Simmer down. Okay. That's what they believed. And the church likes to think, not me. I wouldn't have stood for it. I would have been the voice in the wilderness calling sin, sin. My question is, are you being that voice right now? Yes, it's going to be that kind of Sunday. So I'm going to talk about justice. Because our moment to be brave is right in front of us. When I say the word justice, this is what naturally comes to our minds. And, 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 and hear, hear, hear me when I say this. It's because our thinking about these issues are, is not primarily informed by God. It's primarily informed by American values. Okay? Now let me stop right there. I felt some breath leave the room. I'm not anti-American. I've been all over the world. I'm thankful to live in America. There's no other place I'd rather live. Lindsay would prefer Paris, but I would not. I would not. I find the food gross. And you should hear my hillbilly accent try to pronounce French words. Okay. So this is, I'm not being anti-American, but I want you to hear me. We have, we have, let, we have let a nation create our thinking instead of God's word, okay? So watch. When I say the word justice, our, our first reaction is justice means punishment for a crime you've committed. That's justice, okay? That's what we think. Justice equals punishment. You do something wrong, you pay the price, and we even say justice has been served. That is not God's view of justice at all. God's view of justice is not punishment. God's justice is restorative justice. When God says justice, he does not mean punishment for crime. When God says justice, he means wrong things are made right. Now I'm going to help I'm going to help you unpack that a little bit, okay? But a lot of this, a lot of this, even thinking about justice, is because we have we have a skewed view, vision of God, and a skewed vision of Jesus, and a skewed vision of the cross. If you ask most Christians, what does the cross mean to you? That Jesus died on the cross. What does that mean to you? This is their response: Jesus died on the cross because God was so vehemently angry at the world that He just had to kill somebody. Tell me that's not what we think. I ain't getting no help this morning. Tell me that's not what we think. Wow. What does the cross mean? And this is, what, this is what we tell unbelievers. The cross means that God was so cosmically frustrated that he had to go off on somebody, and that somebody was about to be you, but thankfully Jesus stepped in. 
God's like the alcoholic father that busts in the house, kicking over the tables, about to beat the kids. And Jesus is the compassionate mother that steps in and absorbs it in our place. That's not what the cross means at all. We have to forever reject the idea of an angry God. Your Bible does not say God is anger. Your Bible says that God is good, that God is love. You got to get that out of your thinking. <laughs> the four long claps are like, we don't know where he's going with this. I promise you, I'm going to help you. We think the cross is God killing Jesus. So he didn't have to kill us. And that is not what it means at all. The cross was an act of God's justice. But justice does not mean punishment for sin. Oh, God. The cross was an act of God's justice, meaning he was taking everything that was wrong in the world and making it right. Oh, hallelujah. Watch. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, your Bible says that the consequence, the curse of sin was death. Right? Come on, talk back to me, right? The wages of sin is death. Hebrews even talks about Satan being the one that has the power of death. But when Jesus, hear me and hear me good, when Jesus died on the cross, he did not die on the cross so you wouldn't have to. Jesus died because his death accomplished what our death never could, which was the breaking of the power of death itself. Oh, that's why Paul said the last enemy to be conquered is Jesus didn't die, so you wouldn't have to. Jesus' death broke the power of death. That's why we can have eternal life. That's why we can have resurrection. Because our death could never break death, but his death did. He made wrong things, death, right, eternal life. That's God's view of justice. You with me so far? I'm going to take this a step further. Jesus did not die, so you wouldn't have to. Jesus died on the cross to show you how. It's too theological this morning. Because what did he tell his disciples? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. What did Paul say? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Jesus didn't die on the cross so you wouldn't have to. He died on the cross to teach you how to do it right. Okay. So watch. This is one of those thinking messages. Are y'all thinking with me? This probably needs to be a Wednesday night. But here we are. Justice, in God's eyes, is restorative. It's making wrong things right. That's why I have a problem with cancel culture. Y'all know what that is? You don't know what that is? Good. Cancel culture means you did something, you said something stupid 25 years ago, and now your life needs to be over. Okay? And so they start digging up stuff on people 20 years ago. 
Well, back in, back, back, back in 96, you said this, and now I'm offended. And I think you should lose your job, lose your family. Your name should be smeared. That's not justice. That's vengeance. That's not the kingdom way. I don't believe in cancel culture. I believe in graceful restitution culture, meaning make wrong, make right what you did wrong. Okay? Now, the answer to injustice of all kinds, be it racial injustice or whatever, the answer for injustice of all kinds, listen to me, and and, and I want you to really get this. The answer to injustice is the cross. Now, that sounds like a little Christian platitude, or the cross. Let me explain what I mean. The answer to injustice is the cross. The cross has many meanings, but let me give you these two. The cross, hear me, this is why the cross is the answer to injustice. The cross was Jesus standing in solidarity, suffering and struggling with the hurting and the oppressed. You hear that? Jesus' cross was him standing alongside the brokenness of humanity and not just having sympathy toward them, but suffering with them. And struggling with them in the fight for justice. And if we are going to be healers instead of haters, we have to take up our cross. Meaning we have to be willing to stand in solidarity with the suffering around us. And say I'm going to suffer with you and I'm going to fight with you. No, no. I want you to see how callous to this idea we've become. I want you to see how callous to this idea we've become. To the point that having a conversation, just having a conversation about racial injustice, some people are turned off by the thought. Because we haven't carried our cross and said, I will enter your world and to the best of my ability, I will suffer with you and I will struggle with you. That's what it means to carry the cross. You hearing what I'm saying? That's what it means to carry, to suffer with. That's why he said, you have to weep with those that weep. We're not even willing to talk about it, much less weep with them about it. We want them to come to our churches and shout and dance with us, but we're not willing to cry with them. Listen, I'm going to say some stuff right now, and I love you, and I hope you know that. And this is not Republican or Democrat or political. I am talking about the cross. If you look if you look at young children being locked in cages at the border, and your first reaction is, well, they shouldn't have broke the law. You're missing the cross. I think we need laws, and I think, I think borders are reasonable, but there's human suffering all around us that we are completely callous to. 
taking up your cross means I weep with the homosexual community over the way the church has treated them for the last 20 years. That's what taking up the cross means. It's not a necklace you wear around your neck. That's what it means. It doesn't mean you look at the transgender weird-eyed and start gossiping. and Oh, my God, are you seeing? You're looking at a broken human being that needs somebody to come and suffer and struggle with them toward healing and justice. We have become so callous to human suffering because we are more American than we are Christian. Law and order. Law and order. That is not the Bible way. Truth and justice is the Bible way. We have to become acutely aware of the suffering all around us. Right? Listen, I'm going to swing for the fence. Can I do that? Almost daily. I'll give you a great example. Almost daily, my Facebook feed, okay, the toilet bowl of the internet, I will see pictures all the time of people posting pictures of dead babies that have been aborted, okay, calling for people to rally around the pro-life cause, to which I say, yes, we need to rally around the pro-life cause. I posted a video of young black men being brutalized by the police. And I was told on more than one occasion, why are you spreading so much hate? Because we're willing to suffer with people that look like us. Hope Unlimited, I'm telling you. God's talking to us. That's why the prophet said, let justice Roll like a river. All right? We're willing to serve. Uh, it reminds me so much. There's a story in your Bible about the prophet Ezekiel. God tells Ezekiel, I want you to go down to the river Chebar, and I want you to rebuke everything in sight. And God started talking to Ezekiel about the idolatry and the sin of Israel. And your Bible says, this is what Ezekiel said in the King James Bible. He says this. He says, I went down to the river in the heat of my spirit. I was angry and I was frustrated and I was about to go off. And this is what your Bible says. But when I sat where they sat. Oh, God Almighty. When I sat where they sat. Another translation says, but when I sat among them, I couldn't say anything. Because until you're willing to become them, you don't get to preach to them. That's why Jesus had to come die. Because he had to be a high priest that was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You don't get to shout at them when you've not entered their world. And said to the best of my ability, I know I can never do it fully. But to the best of my ability, I want to suffer with you. I want to suffer with you. Evidently, I haven't researched this. I, have not, I just saw clips of it. There was a, a young African-American man, or maybe he wasn't young. I don't know. But he was shot and killed last night, night before in Atlanta. I, I don't know the story. I have no idea. I have no idea. Okay? He could have been walking down the street minding his business. 
or he could have killed 15 people. I don't know. I have no idea. I haven't read it. But what I do know, before we jump to law and order, what I do know is somebody lost a son. I don't know what his actions were. I have no idea. I have no idea. People talking about George Floyd. Well, he had a, he had a record. Somebody lost a son. Somebody lost a friend. If he had kids, somebody lost a dad. And, 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 and all of the details surrounding the situations, those are definitely important. But the Christian's first response is, I want to suffer with you. Because somebody has experienced the heartbreak of a lifetime. And I want to come alongside that and suffer with you. That's not too much to ask. I'm not asking you to feel guilty. I'm just asking you to feel. And I have been shocked. This church has been stellar. The the way our church has responded, I I, I don't even know. I'm like Ezekiel. I'm just standing. I ain't got nothing to say. You've responded so beautifully. So beautifully. But there have been people that I have seen that have not. They're not, they're not having it. No conversation at all. Just their snarky memes. And then everybody likes whatever point they think they made. When we're called to take up our and suffer with them. You with me? Can I take it a step further? called to suffer and, I, and I'm, 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 I'm going to wrap this up here just give me two minutes y'all know that's a lie we're called to suffer with people that's the first meaning of the cross to suffer watch to suffer with the hurting now I'm really about to mess you up Because the cross is meant to call us to suffer with the victims. But it's also calling us to extend forgiveness to the offender. That's the cross. And forgiveness to the offender doesn't mean we pretend like this never happened. It means we forgive you toward justice. Toward making this right. Okay? But we have a punitive eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth version of justice. And we completely miss God's version of justice. And that's a part of the conversation we've not entered into yet. And I don't even know if we should enter into that right now. Because the church is just now waking up to suffering. But if I wanted, and if you wanted to pull up the past of everybody in this room, none of us could stand. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And before you get all woke, remember, the judgment that you hurl at one 
will come back to you in kind. And the measure that you dish it out, it will be measured to you again. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I've got, I've got to tell this story. This story gripped me. I've not been able to shake this story for, for days. Uh, about a week ago, I was, I was at a meeting in Cleveland, Tennessee, with my brother Eddie James. Y'all know Eddie James? Of course you do. He's been to everybody's church in America 12 times. Eddie's a dear brother of mine. We've known each other probably 20 years. Dear brother of mine, we were having dinner after a, after a service. And we were talking about racism. We were just going back and forth. And he told me this story. He said, I'll tell you a story about my grandfather. His grandfather was married three times. And the reason he was married three times is his wives. He outlived his wives. They passed away. And to put it in Eddie's words, he said, my grandfather was a G boy. He outlived three of them. <laughs> and uh, he was telling me the story. His, his grandfather, his first wife, his first wife, they got married when he was 16. She was 15. Back in the day. He was 16. She was 15. And long story short, they were living in a racist part, I believe, in Texas. I believe it was. And his 15-year-old wife ends up being burned to death by the Klan in a barn. Fifteen-year-old girl. Just because she was a different color. And Eddie's grandfather heard that they're nicer to black people in Arizona. So go further west and you'll be okay. And Eddie was born in Arizona. That's where his grandfather meets the second wife, which is Eddie's grandmother. They have their children. Eddie's born, changes the world. He said the last family reunion they ever had with, their, with his grandfather. I want you to hear this, man. They went to a church where his first wife at 15 years old was buried. He wanted to show his grandkids and tell them the story. And he said when we pulled up on the property, he gets out and he knows exactly where her grave is. And he walks to her grave. Now this man is in his 90s. That happened at 16. He said, and when he saw her grave, he fell to his knees and started weeping like it happened yesterday. And started crying out to God, this hurts so bad when you left. And is laying on the grave of a 70, 80-year-old wound, weeping uncontrollably with his family just standing around. But then he gets up and he says, but, and his grandfather looks at all the kids and grandkids. And he says, but don't you start hating white people. Because if you start hating them, then you become just like them. You extend grace to them. Because that's what God calls us to do. And the mob that wants to hang people for their mistakes, just remember, they will come for you too. Don't you start hating. Don't you start resenting the fact that you mean, we've talked about this for five weeks in church. Can't he just preach the gospel? This is the gospel. 
That's what I, this is the cross. This is the message of the cross. And our repentance for standing for any injustice at all. I don't care what color you are, what ethnicity you are. If, you, if we've stood for any injustice at all, it has to go deeper than social media posts. This has to get down in our bones and transform who we are at the deepest levels. So the cross calls us to suffer and the cross calls us to forgive. You hearing what I'm saying? It's getting awfully quiet in here now. I'll give you an example. I'll give you this and I'll shut up. I want the band to come on. There's a great writer, great African-American scholar by the name of Dr. Cornell West. He's my guy. He has an Afro that is to be envied. I love it. And he talked, he told this story. I want you to hear me. I'm shutting up. This is my last point. He tells this story about going to an Usher concert and then going to an Aretha Franklin concert. Okay. Y'all know about Aretha. Y'all don't know about Aretha? Put that on your Spotify list. That and some John Coltrane. Y'all don't know about Coltrane? You need to know about Coltrane. <laughs> You're like, Coltrane? Did he mean Coldplay? No, Coltrane. <laughs> Bring that down just a bit. There's a word, there's a word in theology. And, and hear me when I say this. There's a word in theology that's called kenosis. Everybody say kenosis. Don't you feel smart? Kenosis. Say it again. Kenosis. Kenosis is the idea that when Jesus came to earth, he emptied himself of his divine attributes and became human. It's called his kenotic act. His kenosis. He poured out himself. And Dr. Cornell West talks about the difference between being a spectacle or being canonic. <clears throat> being a spectacle or really pouring yourself out. And he uses this example. He said he went to an Usher concert. And for an hour and a half, he saw the best dancing he's ever seen in his life. But he said during the whole hour and a half, there was something in him that just wanted to scream, would you please sing something? And I ain't got no problems with Usher. I enjoy Usher. Then he went to an Aretha Franklin concert. And she stood up for three and a half hours. And took song requests from the audience. And for three and a half hours, she poured out. One was spectacular. One was emptying themselves. And our, our awareness, our wokeness, whatever you want to call it, if this is just 
a spectacle? If this is just a dance performance that we're conducting on social media, then we are completely missing what God is saying to the church. Listen to me, Hope Unlimited. This has to go deeper than spectacle. This has to become a pouring out of repentance, a pouring out of brokenness. Oh, God, I feel that. This has to be a pouring out to say for every person that's hurting, I don't care what race they are, if you're hurting, I'll come alongside you. If you're broken, I'll come stand with you and I'll struggle with you and I'll fight with you. And that doesn't mean you've been perfect and that doesn't mean you've done everything right over the course of your life. But what it does mean is I'm taking up my cross and I'm going to pour myself out for you. Because Jesus didn't die on that cross so we wouldn't have to. He died on that cross to teach us how. Stand on your feet. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I feel a spirit of repentance in this house. Yeah, there you go. Arms are broken wide. Forgiveness was bought with and the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to altar and the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with and the precious blood of Jesus. I feel the Father calling us to kenosis. Not to spectacle, but to kenosis. To pouring ourselves Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.